0: Like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like, starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin, where before they just were having it from the mom.
1: With people, when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Oh, yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh, yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma, doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills, but I kept feeling like this is counterproductive, right? Grandmother. My great-grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this this is Black people don't have this issue. I've Mm. never heard of Black people having
0: this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're going to be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a quick word from our sponsor. If you're like me, sometimes you can struggle with being able to be your best. If you have a business that you're running, if you're working a job, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you have children, you want to be fully present. You want to have the energy and some days it's just difficult. Well, I would like to introduce you to Magic Mind. This is a product that I was introduced to and it has helped me deal with all of the nuances that I have thrown at me in the day, but to manage my stress, manage my focus and have this really calming effect. The prolonged benefits is that it gives mental energy and focus. Um, it improves your coffee if you are a coffee drinker like me and you're putting it in your coffee, and you can be able to function throughout the whole day without a crash. It also helps to make you more productive. It allows you to sleep better, less stress and anxiety. And if you can believe it or not, it also helps with memory and being more creative. If you're wondering, like how could it possibly all do this? What's what's inside of this? It's all natural ingredients. It includes Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I am so excited to introduce my next guest, Tiffany Conyers, and I want to share with you all of the mini hats that Tiffany wears. She is a licensed clinical social worker and consultant. She is a podcast host of Holy Mamas. She also leads a small group, Mothers Assisting Mothers Ministry. She is the author of Pursuing Life, Our Journey of Hope faith, and trisomy. She is a support coordinator for South Carolina for Postpartum Support International, as well as a certification trainer. She is an educator um, teaching at Kennesaw State University. She is a mother, a sister, a wife. (laughs) All the things. Welcome to the show, Tiffany.
1: (laughs) I am so excited to be here, Keisha. Thank you so
0: much for having me. No, thank you. I met Tiffany because we mutually knew Elizabeth. No, no, Stacy. We mutually yes. knew Stacy. You worked with Stacy. She was a former supervisor of us, and she said, "I think you guys should like meet." And yep. at the time, you were the only other Black perinatal therapist that I knew in Metro Atlanta. Of course, there were others, but you the mm-hmm. only personally knew. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to like create. Um, an event together for moms (laughs) and like brainstorm. And I had just had a baby. You had your son and daughter at the time. Remember we were at the office. Yep. And Tiffany and I were talking in 2020, she moved. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oops. About that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so much to catch up on and so much to talk about. And Tiffany y'all is literally like, um, a staple person in this perinatal space and she is so well educated, um, on all the things, maternal mental health. Can you tell us before we get into your career background, just about you, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom and, and who were your maternal figures growing up?
1: Oh man. Um, so I think, I did always want to be a mother. I think that was kind of just embedded in just my rearing, you know, it was it was something that I wanted. I enjoyed children so much. I really did. I was always finding myself, if we we're as a group, if we we're in a family setting, I was going towards the children and creating activities. I was sitting with them. I was chatting with them. I ended up tutoring. I served in, in at my church as um I taught Spanish to them, (laughs) you know. Like I was always doing something surrounding children. I had this gift that I really just could connect and relate and sit and not and and enter their world. And so, motherhood was something that I wanted, but I kind of you know was okay with it not happening right then and there. Um, My maternal figures include my mother. and my grandmothers, you mm. know, I grew up in a two parent household. My parents did divorce in my teenage years, but a lot of our, my rearing was done by my mother. You know, she stayed at home originally with us. Um, it wasn't until she they were divorced that she got it like a, a full time job, a gig. And then she did that. She went to law enforcement of all the ah. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine, you know, being raised by, you know, a strong... Single yes. black woman who also is in law Okay, carries a gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially in those teenage years when I'm, I'm smelling myself. Yeah, of, you know, like uh-uh, I'm cute. And it's like, oh, cute. Okay. Right, I got something. Um, <laughs> so, um, it wasn't until you know I finished college, got my master's, I met my husband. And then when motherhood presented itself like, wow, okay, now I think I'm ready. You know, it took us a minute to to, to, to have a child. You know, we were trying and it was kind of like concerning. Um, And then it, it came upon me and I welcomed it with open arms. And it was such a life-changing, <laughs> mind-altering, yeah. full experience that you just really can't Prepare for like you can prepare, but you don't know until you know. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know that that is true. I remember when we used to meet, and I had told you it wasn't until I went to the two-day components training in Arizona where it was like this aha, like yeah, I'm learning as a clinician, but I'm also learning like oh, so those were intrusive thoughts that I was experiencing. <laughs> that's you know that's what that was for you um and and at the time that i had met you you only had two kids at that time Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. what were those experiences like for you what were were they both you know pretty simple clear cut were they both eye-opening and challenging or how was pregnancy delivery how were those then all right um so yes my
1: first child is a boy and he his pregnancy was sweet and sweatless and got all the feels, all, all the the cuteness and the roundness and all the things that I really appreciated about the pregnancy. The I wasn't as prepared for childbirth though. I think mm-hmm. that one was it I was a new parent, new, never, you know, had come to this full term in the pregnancy before, never given birth. So I really didn't know what my body was capable of. I didn't know what to expect when it came down to uh, labor, you know, and what contractions were. And um, as much as I wanted to have an unmedicated birth, I ended up um, opting for with the, you know, convincing a medical staff, like, you've been doing this for some time now, you probably want to go ahead and let's get you moving on, uh, moving along, let's get some Pitocin. So that I ended up getting Pitocin and an epidural and Really being told to push, you know, it was it was like, oh, I thought my body was going to do it on its own. But they were like, no, it's time to push now. They got all rushed in like, OK, <laughs> we think you're ready. I was like, where y'all come from? <laughs> <laughs> so he was born for something in the morning um, and to all the new things, you know, from having to deal with stitches and having to deal with the anticipation of my first poop, which I didn't know to even anticipate that. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, I'm, I'm scared. Something's going to fall out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just remember that that experience was so new and I just didn't have a full awareness of what I was really getting into. And then breastfeeding did not come easy Mm. for us. I thought it was, you know, again, I I was told, Rest is best in quotations. I also was told that your body knows what to do and naturally everything will happen. He he suckled a little at the hospital, but when it was time for my actual milk to come in, which was actually delayed because of the medical interventions I had, that's when I realized like I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> need help. I <laughs> need help. And I'm struggling and I'm feeling a certain way about myself not being able to just do this naturally or do yeah. this organically so i really started becoming very down on myself and um it doesn't it doesn't help when the pediatricians who are all good intentions are saying you know they're losing their birth weight very mm-hmm. really want to make sure that they're getting enough to eat and all you're thinking as a new parent is
0: it's my job to feed I know. them. <laughs> and I can't do that, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I did struggle emotionally, but I, I think what I was charged with is get information, sought the lactation consultant. Unfortunately, she kind of, I got the language for it now, but she was microaggressive, okay? Oh, she was wow. given all kinds of energy that towards me and my husband as we are trying to learn how to do this new thing that we've never done before he's seeing my breast being used to nourish a baby and he has no words no help like he's just like "Keep you're doing a great job you're trying keep trying you don't and then also you don't have to do this we can do formula it's okay and i'm over here like i'm a failure you know <laughs> yeah so I, I i remember feeling like i don't feel empowered i feel actually um disempowered and I, and I almost like spiteful spitefully took breast education courses because mm-hmm. I was like there's no way I can let anybody else go through what I went through with this lactation consultant who was minimizing my experiences who was really dismissive towards my husband at the time it's just she just didn't she didn't look like us she didn't yeah. sound like us it was she wasn't welcoming so We ended up getting our breastfeeding connection, me and my son. And I also got a certificate in breastfeeding education. (laughs) And so that's what got me into like perinatal or really maternal mental health. Uh Like just, they need the foot in to just like, I know how I felt struggling with this. I'm going to help other families. And most likely these families are going to be black and brown because I speak Spanish and I'm black. And so Uh I'm going to be really targeting families that may struggle um, with with lactating and understanding what's what's easy what's not easy the co- what complications and what can also cause issues if you don't you know allow your body to do the things that it may want to do so um so that was a that was my son's pregnancy postpartum yeah. recovery I think I was pushed into working with lactation families because of our own lactation like, lactating struggles okay. and then my daughters that her her pregnancy it was really cool it was also uh everybody said she took my sweetness away which was uh, <laughs> they, that's what they said that was like you were a little different you know? <laughs> with her. We figured she was a girl. She took on you were just a little short with us and, and and that would make me mad when they would say that. Right, like, like ain't, nobody got, <laughs> right. ain't nobody got no attitude. Y'all need to back up. And I had all that too. Um, but I also was very nervous about having a daughter because mm-hmm. my mother would say things as I, as I was coming of age that, ooh, just wait, you're going to get a child just like you're gonna uh-huh. yeah it was that i think out of her own parenting struggles with me yeah. i think what gave her a sense of relief or maybe solace was that you're gonna get what you gave me you know mm-hmm. that kind of energy and then as a a new parent finding out she was a girl i was like oh no ah oh, it
0: has come back what it she has come back <laughs> <laughs>
1: revenge is among the I will get all of it back now, and so I kind of dreaded what that would feel like and be like. And then I actually had a very come to Jesus moment with my mother about it. Just mm. like, yeah, I think it really that intergenerational trauma, just right. things that she was probably dealing with trying it's to raise herself. Girls. Right. Yeah. That I just looking back, knowing what I know, I was like, right. man, in her own struggle, you know, she found herself finding relief and cursing me. Yeah. you know, with a challenging parent-child relationship because she was having challenges in her own parent-child relationship. Like her, right. you know, so anyway, that's just more philosophy. I also
0: really good that you guys were able to have, like, a conversation about it because I think, you know, in Black families and the Black mother-Black daughter dynamic, mm-hmm. that can often come up. So at least like, you know, that was a conversation to be had and you weren't also going to carry that with your own daughter relationship. Right. Exactly. And I, I remember I remember us talking about it and I really value my
1: mother for her openness because mm. you have to be in a, a very mature place mm. when you are being potentially confronted right. with how you parented or things that you may have said as a parent. And most parents really do have the, their kids' best interests at heart. Most of them really are trying the best they can they have were given certain level of tools and then they're now having to use these same tools that could be probably very primitive in how to handle working with this generation. Mm-hmm. All the things that they already know and all the things that they're exposed to and all the things that, you know, you and I grew up just knowing and understanding. Right. So it was just kind of like her her level of maturity and humility to be able to hear me say, mom, when you say that about me getting a girl or a daughter or getting payback, It makes me feel a certain kind of way. And I struggled with how I treated you. And I'm sorry. You know, I was also a teen trying to figure this thing out too. I was also, you know, like we were, we had to have like a real moment. And so, um, so that pregnancy was filled with a lot of fear, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with my daughter, just like, what is this going to be? What is this going to mean? How is she going to be? But, oh my gosh, she's such a gift. And I'm, and I'm ready for whatever parenting brings right now. We are, she's, she's about to be eight. So it's a different kind oh of like. Oh my gosh,
0: she's going to be eight already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think, right?
0: <laughs>
1: right. She's about to be eight. So she's got, you, you know how when you see your kids with certain gifts, you're just like, oh, that comes very easy for you. I wonder if this is part of your destiny. I wonder if this is part of something that you're going to offer the world. And so we're at this space together. So I'm actually less fearful and a little bit more open to mm-hmm. getting what I need to be the parent for her and right. the parent for my sons that I need to be.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So at the point in which you had your daughter, you had already done the perinatal training. You were already in private practice. At what point did you kind of, because I also remember, you know, when we had met and you had known Stacey, um, you were still doing like some work with that, with that piece as well. At what point were you were like, okay, this is the calling. Like, this is what I am here to, to teach, to, to spread the word, to bring about awareness. Where, where were you after you had your daughter?
1: Oh man. Um, so after her, it was like, that's when I got the full licensure. It was like mm-hmm. that now I can really let's go and do this and why not focus on an, an area that you're passionate about and that is at a time just maternal mental health because I really didn't know and have the term until we came across the two-day training like oh you that makes sense and it includes the things that partners are going through and it also includes adoption and just reproductive health and well and how people are trying to grow their families and it's all of that yeah. So that at that time, I really was uh, working in crisis intervention, being a mobile crisis response person, and still love that. And then also figuring out like, can I do this full time? Can I? Can I really actually open a brick and mortar mm-hmm. and have a space where people come and get the support, get the skills to cope with all that's going on in this perinatal period? I think I can. You know, <laughs> it was one of those like you dream about it. You can't stop thinking about it. Like, you you get an idea, you gotta write it down or do a voice memo, and then it starts to connect and put pieces together, and I remember doing a PowerPoint presentation for my husband, and was just like, alright. <laughs> <laughs> I have to share something, and I can't, I, it's like an itch that I have to scratch. I gotta do this, and, and we talked about what type of investment of time and money it would mean for our family. We talked about how to manage and supplement income to make sure that I can pay rent. Cause that was a big thing for me. Like I'm about to rent out of space,
0: not just get an
1: address and a PO box. Like this is about to be a whole space that we do need to furnish, you know, like it has to be comfy seats. And like, it was a very, it was a bold and very uh, scary move, Mm -hmm. honestly, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to say like, okay. And then also be available to support people in their healing. In their right. recovery, because knowing what we know, it's just it's not just about you coming to your session. It's, I'm part of, I'm probably part of your crisis team too. Right. Absolutely. You know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? So at the time, I knew, you know, after Michaela, that's my daughter's name, after she was born, it was like, yo, all right, I got to do this. And then I got out of crisis intervention and got into uh educating at Kennesaw State University because that gave me um a- additional like supplemental income while wow. I did my practice work and then it, it just grew we, fe- we fell in love with other providers that offered type some type of perinatal support the lactation consultants and doulas and they started renting out the space too and we had like a whole little, oh, little court, you know goodness. um and so it just kind of it fell in place because I really do believe it was part of my destiny to really right. part of my path, my journey to walk along some of those that were struggling at that time in the area that I was serving.
0: Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm 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 gonna start with this, so I'm gonna circle back around. So oftentimes people have this idea that therapists are like superhuman and we don't have our own life experiences. And you know, like, I I don't know if you, but sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, um, oh, well, I mean, I'm sure that you know what to do or you know what to say, you're a therapist. And it's like me living my own life. And for sure, I know like strategies and techniques, but it's also very different when it's your own path. But what I think that is so remarkable about you and also just like me watching your journey from afar that is so awe-inspiring is that you have experienced a little bit of everything in the perinatal space. Like even when you were talking about with your son of, you know, taking a minute to conceive and um, having to have dealt with that lactation consultant and with microaggressions. And then you also had shared experiencing a loss Mm -hmm. and how impactful that was. And then also having a pregnancy after a loss um how were you able to navigate both of those scenarios and situations (laughs) and you know with being having your therapist hat on but also just being a human being and also having two other little ones at home Hmm.
1: Keisha (laughs) girl so it's not easy first off um and just the fact that you kind of like you you did that in a way that I just I don't think I ever really (laughs) thought about just being able to kind of in some way have been touched by all different kind of aspects of the perinatal journey like from trying to lactate from not from having issues with breastfeeding even after so from um just to 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 get to a place where I could kind of start I um, did experience a miscarriage in 2017 and then um which I struggled with I was very deeply touched by this miscarriage that I just did not expect, you know, you know, it can happen, you know, we know certain things, Mm -hmm. but when it happens, you're like, what What happened? What did I do? (gasps) I was still nursing my baby. i just blamed myself knowing it. Well, it wasn't my fault, but I was just, it was cause I was still nursing. I was still weaned. You know, I should have weaned her sooner when I found out I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. I was, I just took complete ownership of why this baby that I longed for and wanted and thought it was the perfect time to now have another one. um, Did not come to fruition, did not survive. And then back in 2019, we got pregnant again and because of my age, they were like, let's do a genetic screen. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. I think it's a little microaggressive, what you're saying to me. Because <laughs> like you say, I'm over 35 and pregnant, but it's all right. So I went ahead and took the, you know, the genetic, genetic screen and they and called me. It was like less than two days. Normally, you know, no news is good news, but <laughs> I took this, the blood work and they called me within two days and was like, hey, there's, the, there's a potential risk that the your baby has uh, a condition that um they may not survive I'm like what okay and then the the way that they described it was just weird um the whole experience was weird but when but what we were told it was that he was incompatible with life and I just mm-hmm. haven't had an, a miscarriage and seeing my body kind of push out a baby that was not surviving a part of me was like would will this one just miscarry too?" you know Mm -hmm. because the more he grew the more they they saw things that did not go along with a healthy uh a baby despite what we were praying for because I think at the time my husband and I decided like listen you know the fruit of the womb is is God's reward we're going to mother him parent him for as long as he wants us to to parent him. So we had kind of like our faith and our Christian mm-hmm. belief supporting our decision. Um, but I definitely know that it's a brave decision to not terminate. And it's also a brave decision to terminate too. That's parenting in itself as well. So yeah. for us, that was part of that that journey. And I realized like, man, um, this is going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough pregnancy. It was tough to to be in hope and faith and joy and experience that, knowing that siblings that did long for another sibling are actually watching us get bigger and and sat in the ultrasound and people they I know those medical staff were like, "What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> Don't you know this prognosis?" And I was like, "But he's still our son and he's still yeah. our family, and I I'm gonna parent him even in this womb and." I know that it was not ideal. It's not what I would have chosen for my children to have to deal with grief at such a young age and having to have conversations about death and having to have, you know, I just, that was definitely not my choice. Yeah. In a way it kind of was. It's my choice because I chose not to terminate, but I felt like it was part of our walk as a family. And, and those kids were so resilient. You just don't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they, the way that they, handled that we were chosen that was how you know it was presented to me you know my spirit that listen we were chosen to be miles's family so in 2020 he was born and so god knew that the way he formed him the way he arrived in mommy's belly is how he wanted him to be and He. God chose the perfect family, so we're going to we're going to love Miles as long as he we need to here on this earth. We'll always remember him. We'll always love him. We talked about what he may look like because he actually did have a cleft lip and palate um, with trisomy 13, which is a very like a telltale sign that there is um, an issue. And with trisomy 13, it's just you have an extra chromosome on the 13th marker of every place in your DNA, so mm. every cell. At the thirteenth marker, instead of two chromosomes, it was a third one, mm-hmm. and so um, that caused him to have different complications related to how his organs grew and how his mouth formed. And um, so they got a chance to meet him, and just dealing with that loss in itself really just it brought our family closer. It brought, I think, it really uh, it challenged my spiritual walk. Yeah. You know, um, it challenged challenged our marriage you know I think if anything it we were talking we were I felt I felt safe with my husband because he knew what we were going through you know mm-hmm. so it's like I brought him closer but our grief was different our mm-hmm. grief was absolutely completely different I poured myself into our children at the time this is 2020 we locked down like a mm-hmm. month after he was born so wow. the whole world shut down which for me was like good I want my baby's home anyway yeah. Yeah, I don't have to deal with the questions and, oh, well, yeah. where's, you know, all of, I right. just was able to just be at home and be with them. But that also meant that I didn't have real space to kind of, like, grieve. Right. And so I found myself, like, having, trying to have wine time. Like, I was like, go, go by myself and go sip on wine. And then I would be more depressed because wine does not really help you when you're depressed yeah. <laughs> or when you're sad. As, as much as you think it does, yeah. know, drink, drink it alone <laughs> doesn't work. Drinking alone doesn't work. Um, and so I just really was like, oh, this is, I'm really struggling. I need to find something to help process this grief in a way. Because I know as a therapist, I need the help. <laughs> okay. I need it. But where am I going to go? We all struggling. We right, all right, try right. <laughs> <laughs> we all trying to figure out what we gonna do with our kids. We all trying to make Disneyland in our backyard. <laughs> <So what's your laughs> <gonna say? laughs> we all are, you know, and so I ended up finding a grief group at my church that was virtual. And I kind of leaned into them, especially after finding out that I was expecting again. I mm. was not, I was not. I'm not flaunting fertility because I know that fertility challenges are real. And that's a very um, complicated, complex struggle for a lot of families. Right. I just so happened to have gotten pregnant and was like, dang, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, yeah. Dang. <laughs> that's all I was just like, it took <laughs> several pregnancy tests and almost probably a week and a half before I could tell my husband that we were expecting. And, then I was like, okay, well, now I for sure gotta be like, be real sober. Like,
0: yeah, for you know, real, be sober. Then, <laughs> you
1: know, not in theory, but like, you can't have like a lone wine time at my
0: right you know,
1: at night, now that everybody's sleep, like, finally by myself, yeah. you know. But this is, it was, I think, in that my my healing really started to show up in a different kind of way. Because mm. I I mean, in that grief group, I came to terms with like I'm betraying my son, my baby that died with another uh-huh. baby, um, having challenges, coming to grips with having another boy. And I know that sounds like really silly, but those are one of those shadow oh. losses. Yeah. That we talk about in the perinatal mental health community that when you you grieve certain aspects of your experiences. I you know, I thought I was gonna have a, a girl. Like I, I just wanted Miles to be my baby boy forever, you know, and so knowing that number one, I'm not betraying my other kid. <laughs> None of them are betrayed, you know, like this is part of our flock. Um again, just like Miles was formed in my womb, our last kid, Marcus, was also formed in my womb. Mm-hmm. And being really uh leaning into that faith that I was chosen to be this parent. I'm chosen to be this mother. I have what it takes. And he he coming regardless at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah.
0: Was there any anxiety about another potential loss with Marcus? Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Um, Once you've dealt with loss, it's almost like you anticipate, you have an awareness of probably what could go wrong even more. And I think even in this field as perinatal mental health, Therapists, specialists, reproductive journey, you know, uh coaches, we are, we just know all the facts. We know all that can go wrong, we know yeah. potentially all the complications. So when we hear someone say, I'm having triplets, you I automatically I like know. I'm I'm <laughs> right. <It's> also like <laughs> blood pressure, bed rest, yeah. yeah, potential loss, selective abortion, like all also- <laughs> the that you just started naming it in your head, like respect, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. What is support going to look like? How are you going to sleep? We're going to, you know, all the things. So those are some of what I kind of dealt with in my own, like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I opened my heart again for another child. Um, what What is required of me? Lord, seeing my kids witness my grief because they, they noticed, they were like, mommy, your face is long that mm-hmm. was like oh i thought i was hiding it mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hiding it that was their way of saying like i see you're there's a veil on you of mourning or grief you know in their own way they were just not your your face wrong um so i was just like i can't let them go through that again i don't want them so i really was like having serious spiritual moments like god listen We can't do this again. I can't let my little ones go through another grief, more grief. And so we really didn't tell them until after genetic screens were done, Um, after our first trimester. We really was trying to reduce their uh, risk of getting attached and grow to love someone that may not survive birth. And then I'm, and I didn't get younger the last pregnancy. So (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, I'm more advanced in my life age. Um, And that was something that also I thought about. And then I was like, I feel like my body hadn't, it was weird because after miles, my, my postpartum body, I just, I looked like I didn't have a baby, which I also grieved. It was like, as if I didn't even have him, And I wanted to have certain things that I kept so that I could remember him and that I would feel connected to the pregnancy that we shared together. And so in a way it was like, oh, my body probably bounced back because God probably, you know, there's this knowing that I was gonna need to get back in shape for another pregnancy.
0: Yeah. I I remember when you had lost Miles, you shared it on social media. And I thought that that was not only like really empowering, but it, you know, in the work that we do, we work specifically with black parents. Mm Mm-hmm. that there's so much shame around a loss or trying to conceive mm-hmm. and you know wanting to kind of keep it a secret or not tell anybody or not having the language to to share what happened and you know like what you said, like trying to find ways of taking responsibility for what occurred. And for many people when someone can see someone has had a, a similar experience it can help them not to feel alone and in the silos. How did you come to have the decision to share it so publicly?
1: Ooh, so um, during the whole pregnancy, I was journaling. I was journaling everything and from from doctor's appointments to my own grief, because you, I, I think I, my state of bereavement started once I got that genetic screen that said, hey, he's 45 percent, no, 54 percent probability of trisomy 13. And I was like, oh. Why, you know, so I'm I'm losing the idea I'm going to have a normal pregnancy or I'm having to fight in a way that I just didn't know I would have to fight for my children, you know, both in prayer and spiritually and even with doctors that are saying like, so why aren't you terminating again? You know, so why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it started there and the best way that I could cope was actually typing in my phone, which is part of what, how I journal and actually writing out. So I wrote out and then I typed in my phone um so that was that was how I kind of coped throughout the pregnancy and then after we're after the, the pregnancy after we delivered after we experienced him taking his last breath to having a homegoing birthday we call it a birthday party for our kids we was like hey we're having a birthday party for miles because guess what he was born <laughs> <laughs> we're going to celebrate he was born. And so it, the homegoing ceremony was very celebratory. It was balloons. It was kitty. It was bubbles. It was all the things that a birthday party would be. Best of music, upbeat music. I was like, no baby urns, no caskets, nothing. We're not doing that. This yeah. is not, we're celebrating. And so um, after all of that, after everybody left, I just was like, okay, Lord, I did it. I kept the pregnancy like you told me, I did these things. What do I do now? And I really heard a still small voice really say, um, tell, tell the story. And I was like, what? On Facebook? You know, like, what does that mean? You know, tell the story. And then I was reminded of all the sheets of <laughs> notes that I had on my phone and the different things that I had written out um about each experience going to a doctor or having to have a discussion and lecture about human development and congenital congenital anomalies. And I'm having this conversation knowing that I'm carrying a baby with one and I can't share it, that mm-hmm. I didn't share what was happening to me. Um, having to terminate not terminate clients, but it was like a having to shift my my mental health clients, my right. perinatal mental health clients to be seen by other providers or if they were, had a successful completion of their treatment goals actually terminate successfully mm-hmm. in session because I was preparing mentally for this childbirth and this what to expect and how to walk through these things out with my kids and so so just all those notes started to come together and we were gifted with some really cool people at the hospital that captured pictures of our family right after he was born and My sister, who also was part of our birthing team, like because of his his prognosis, they really were very lenient about how many people could be in the birth. (laughs) So we had family galore just kind of like waiting to meet him. And um, she was like, something told me to just start taking pictures, like something told me to pull my camera out and do videos. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I, I as I'm taking the picture and watching the videos, I feel she's like, I feel like I'm intruding on what could be a really hard time and moment. So when God said, tell the story, I was like, oh, I actually have told it in a way. I just need to compile it and put it together. So it was kind of like a passion project during the pandemic and finally felt comfortable and ready to release it. In, uh summer 2021,
0: mm.
1: or 22, 22, it was summer 2022. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. it.
0: Tiffany, you are inspiring like that. That is, I mean, strength, courage, bravery, like all on so many levels. It's um, you are a beacon to say the least. Um, How how have you just in this space? You know, I, I think it's great that you can contribute so much to this community from your own personal experience, but kind of like when I open the podcast of all the hats that you wear, how how do you balance it all? like you know the book, the group, the podcast, the the practice, how um how do you balance it all and how do you continue to take care of yourself?
1: Um, so it's definitely not a balance at all. <laughs> we gonna be honest with each other. It is a blend. It really does mean that um, if I'm saying yes to this in this moment, in this hour, this segment of the day, that I'm saying no to something else, you know, that could be a, just as much of a priority, you know, like we all need clean clothes. We all need clean drawers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do I have to prioritize that right now? No, not right now. I'm (laughs) going to do this one thing over here. So I think it is a matter of blending priorities. Be it giving myself grace, because I think as much as you just mentioned all the some of the things that I do, I don't do them all at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know. And in my heart, I feel like I could be doing more. You know, like there's more to be done. You see certain needs in the community. And you're like, oh, we should be, yeah. that needs to happen. Or you see someone who needs to be mentored and, and supported. And you're like, oh, come over here. I got, I want, I got space in my, under my wing for you too. You know, like, so just having to show myself grace. Okay. Not all things all right now. There's some things you may have to put off. You may have to delegate, may have to say, like, I have someone who really is amazing at this. I would just be half amazing because I got a couple other things that I'm doing right now. <laughs> I can't be full amazing. I'll be half amazing. So <laughs> then, let them be amazing, amazing, full amazing. And i keep my half over here for something that probably needs a little bit more attention and support and care. And I think that is the blend.
0: Mm, I like that, that saying it as a blend versus an, an either or. Um, or a balance, because it's often imbalanced. So, <laughs> um, okay, so last question. What What suggestions would you give to Black parents as they are navigating parenthood based off of everything in which you've, like, experienced? Like, finding out that you're pregnant, um, what would you say as far as, like, how to select your lactation consultant? Mm-hmm. How to mm-hmm. a new provider? How to make sure your relationship is still connected. What top three things did you feel like is important for them to know? If you can put it all in three things. I know, that's, three
1: things. <laughs> that's such a great question. He's kind of amazing at this. Okay, so um number one, I think um being vulnerable mm-hmm. is really important. Important, and it's it's not a skill that we all know how to utilize well. You know, just because we're taught culturally to be strong, to be uh, be present in a way, you have a you have a, a a personality like like mine, you know, it's, it can be big, you know, take up space, you know, and sometimes being vulnerable, especially with your partner, especially with your spouse or whoever, whomever you are choosing to parent with. Um, you may have to have moments of vulnerability and be able to connect in a more intimate way so that you can highlight each other's strengths and, and make up for areas where I'm not as strong. I'm not strong in this area or I may struggle with self-care because I am so aware of all the things that, take to, of, that, in, that is required of me to take care of this family. And that's an area where I struggle real in real life. And so my husband, who who's a little bit more aware of how I'm vulnerable in that area, will say, "Have you eaten today? Mm. What you eat today." Um, I'll take him, you know. Like, I'll put him to sleep,
0: you know, like it,
1: it, so that I don't feel like the, but I have to because he's calling my name, you know. Yeah. He's saying, "Mommy," and, and he's like, "He be I." <laughs> You know, so being vulnerable of in, in areas that maybe they, you would not share with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think that that takes, it takes a sense of being vulnerable in this perinatal period mm-hmm. from whatever it's trying to grow your family, maybe your fears and your concerns about it, to um, being open that I may need you to do my fertility injections mm-hmm. for me. You know, like that there's a certain level of vulnerability and trust that come in that, that dynamic. Um, asking for help and, be, and being okay with how help is showing up for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. takes a certain level of vulnerability. Because um, right. culturally, again, we're supposed to just know what to do, how to do it, make it happen. And we normally have to as a result because you haven't been able to be vulnerable or you've been vulnerable and somebody just kind of pooped on it. Like they really manipulated it. So, number one, vulnerable. be vulnerable. Um Number two, mines are so like therapeutic. Though. I'm so sorry. Don't <laughs> abide <about her>. vulnerability, <laughs> forgiveness. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have to forgive how you were parented, because that's, that's what shows up in therapy a lot. Is yeah. the how I was parented. I'm I'm realizing like how that sucks. Yeah, yeah. In therapy, now that I'm a parent, I'm over here like. they they crapped on me like that they did not give their best you know Mm -hmm. they probably did and you just got to forgive them that that was their best or so i just really do think that in the perinatal period forgive yourself you may say some things you may do some things you may forgive your parents forgive what they didn't offer you and didn't you know did offer you that wasn't always the best i forgive your partner they are trying their best everybody So, yeah so forgiveness is, is another piece of it and hmm, i don't know that third one have fun have think- fun <laughs> <laughs> you gotta find the fun um and find the joy there, there really are silver linings it's not to minimize your real life experiences yes yeah. you know grief sucks <laughs> losing sucks um dealing with fertility challenges sucks. um not being able to make the beds in the morning and you know do all the things on your to-do list it does suck too but you know the fun is i got to spend real life time real one-on-one time with the kid that i made and grow and it grew in my belly um it was fun watching my partner struggle and get peed on today you know like it's <laughs> <laughs> you can just find ways to make some fun in the day. So I think that's part of adding joy and bringing some beautiful memories as you look back on this perinatal period.
0: Yeah, those are those are three great ones. I think that you you hit some good ones for someone to take with them. Um, lastly, where can people find your book and your podcast and also follow you for all of the Projects, events, and things that you have going on. Oh, thanks, Keisha.
1: So people can follow me. You um, can go to my website, it's TiffanyConyers.com, t-i-f-f-a-n-y and Conyers is C O N Y E R S.com. And that way you can find links to the books, links to the podcast. Podcast is on all the places where you can get a podcast. Um, so if you can listen, it's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. It's on all the. I'm not gonna leave any of them out. But you, they're late there are links there. And then of course, of course, I do my best to update the website with different places that I'll be visiting um, as a trainer with Postpartum Support International, helping others in their two day because I sat in a two day just like Keisha did, and we we sat and absorbed and got all this information, diagnosed ourselves. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that was me all day i don't even know how i got here, I don't even know how I got here today oh my gosh it's so right. uh, <laughs> so um i do teach uh, for postpartum support international and we do all kinds of different cool things with curriculum and helping others get certified in perinatal mental health but that's the that's the place you can go and get all the links to everything else tiffanyconyers.com
0: awesome well thank you so much for making time for me today tiffany i appreciate you and everything that you're doing all of your contributions and also for your vulnerability and sharing thank you